something is your story, it's the storyline, the storyline of your life. So we just sang, this is my story, praising my Savior all the day long. Would you say that's accurate about your life? This is your storyline. This is who you are. This is how you, how you tell the tale of your life, praising my Savior all the day long. It's a great song, great message to our hearts. I'm in Psalm 119. I'm going to read the whole psalm today. Yeah, that was a joke. I'm not going to read the whole psalm. There's 176 verses in this psalm. It's divided into 22 sections. One of these days you can read it. Now, the Hebrew children memorized this psalm, and it was set to music or to a chant, and they memorized it, and through the 22 sections they went through Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, all the way to the end. And in each of the 22 sections, all eight verses begin with the Hebrew letter of that section. So we're going to be in verse 9, and we're going to read 9 through 16, and all of these in the original Hebrew begin with that second letter in the Hebrew alphabet, Beth. It was a way for them to remember the scripture. And the children memorizing this would have uh, an interesting section here because it is really talking about memorizing the scripture, hiding the word of God in your heart. It's very familiar to us. If we've been in Bible drill or Bible memory association, we probably learned the verse, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. And that is a verse here. Now, as I read through these eight verses, I want you to listen for the word, word, and its synonyms, because almost every one of the 176 verses in this psalm use word or a synonym for word. Uh, throughout the psalm to describe the Word of God. So you can find it as I read it through. Verse 9 in the NIV says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your Word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Right on the front end of this section, the purity of life that every child of God desires is mentioned twice. How shall a young man cleanse his way? Is that a question that you sometimes ask? Do you ever ask yourself, how can I get clean? I want to get clean. 
I want to be clean. Does that ever resonate in your heart to be clean? Maybe you're thinking about moral issues in your life, habits, and you're thinking, man, I wish it could be clean. Maybe you're thinking about your thought life and the things that ping around in your head, saying, I wish I could get clean. These things, I don't want them in my mind. Maybe you're thinking about attitudes that you know aren't good for you and the people around you. And they pull others down as well as yourself. And you're thinking, how could I clean up my demeanor, my attitudes? You ever ask the question, how can I cleanse my way, make my life clean? If you're not asking that question, this psalm doesn't make much sense to you. But if that is a concern of yours, if you want to be clean morally, mentally, spiritually, if you want to get clean, it's a great psalm. Now, there are a couple things about cleaning that are part of the psalm. It's not just getting rid of the bad stuff, the filth. Taking the soap and washing off what has marred. How many kinds of soap do you have? You ever thought about how many? We used to, when I was a boy, we just had sort of, you know, one or two kinds of soap. Now there's soap for everything. And you can, I was in a hospital this weekend with Brady Joseph. And every time I pass one of those little canisters, I thought, well, I better wash my hands. <laughs> Put under. Okay, that's, that's an important kind of cleansing that we do. And it's getting rid of the bad stuff. It's killing the germs. There's that. There's another part of cleansing your way that's important to remember. This week, I cleaned my desk. You would be proud of me. Okay? Madeline would be proud of me. Madeline is here somewhere. She would be proud of me. In fact, she is, aren't you? That was important. That's why I did it. Okay, you're happy. Okay, she's my assistant, and she's happy, so that's good. And I worked hard at getting rid of stuff that wasn't filth, okay? Wasn't dirty stuff. I cleaned my desk. I edited my desk, okay? I defragged my hard drive. I got on that desk, and I said, okay, none of this stuff is bad, but I don't need it all. I got to go on to some other things. I got to narrow down my projects. I can't have all of these unfinished things, extraneous matters laying around my life. And when the question is asked at the beginning of this psalm, how does a young man cleanse his way? In the King James, it's cleanse his way, and you think about the soap idea. But in the NIV, it's keep his way pure. Okay? It's more like protection. It's more about focus. It's the idea of having a single thing you are doing and keeping at it. How do you do that? You ever have a problem with that? Feeling like you're diffusing all the energies of your life everywhere? You're just sort of splashed out on the globe? And you're not really getting anything done? You ever have that feeling that your life is just fragmented? And you need to get it cleaned up? somehow refocused that's the idea here too how does a young man cleanse his way that is how do you stay morally spiritually mentally clean get rid of the filth and how do you keep your focus keep from being distracted by all the things you could do that might be good but they're not yours to do 
doing the thing that you're called to do. That's what this psalm is about. Now what I want to do is just take verse 11, which I have known since I was in Holy Loyal Legionnaires when I was eight. And my dad invented this club. It was a Bible memory club. Holly Loyal Legionnaires, me and my brothers win it, and maybe a couple other guys. And we got patches on our jackets for learning, and we learned, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And what I want to do is just take that verse and talk to you about keeping your way clean, morally clean, cleaning up your attitudes, keeping your life focused. And the first thing is your word. Your word. Now, the whole psalm is about God's word. But when it comes to cleansing your mind and your heart, there's nothing like God's word. Not my word. Not your word. God's word. Your word. God, have I hid in my heart. Your word. Jesus says at one point to his disciples, and it's a little bit perplexing. It's in John 15. He says, you are already clean because of the word I have given you. He told his disciples, I've already cleaned you up because of the word. The word's already had its cleansing power in you. And I can think of both ways. I can think of those fellows hearing Jesus teach, internalizing his word, and dropping off all the stuff that doesn't go with Jesus. Don't you think? After three words of fo- uh, years of following him everywhere and being followers of Jesus, him as their rabbi, they as his disciples, all the other stuff is dropping off because of the word he's given them. It's cleansing them. I can also see those young men, those 12 men, getting their lives more and more focused in the channel of the lordship of Jesus Christ so that other stuff, the extraneous matters that need to be edited out of your life, not because they're bad, but because they don't fit what God's called you to do, that stuff's dropping off too. You are already clean because of the word I have given you. God's already cleaning you up through his mighty, incomparable word. And it's his word that does it. It's the Word of God. You say, well, what is the Word of God? Well, the Word of God is living and active. That's according to Hebrews 4.12. It is living and active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's so sharp that it divides between the bone and the marrow and even between the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So if you could just get a hold of God's word and let it soak into you, his word would be living and active in you. It wouldn't go away. It's going to stay there in your mind and your heart. And it's going to divide between the bone and the marrow and will even help you with your intentions and your motives. The word of God is that powerful. It is the word which he speaks to us. I was in a conference in Dallas a couple weeks ago and heard a man named Tom Wolfe. You ever heard of him? He is a missionary in India. He's tremendous. He started Mosaic Church. 
out in California somewhere, where, Los Angeles area, I think. But he's now been in India for seven years. And he took a verse about the word. And I, wanna, I want you to just think about this verse, okay? It's the first verse of the Gospel of John. And it says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And here's what he said. In the beginning was the explanation. And the explanation was with God. And the explanation was God. Did you ever say, I wish somebody could just explain it to me. Just explain what's going on in my life. Explain what's going on in this world. Sometimes I hear people who are struggling with their faith. And the reason they give for the struggle they have in believing in God and trusting God, even if they believe that he exists, is the problems in the world. And sometimes they'll say, could somebody just explain why children are starving and the sick are dying and there are so many bad things in the world? If I could just have an explanation, and I will tell you that the explanation which God has given is not some philosophical treatise but his own incarnate son, who is God's explanation. In the beginning was the explanation. His name is Jesus. He is God's explanation to you. He is God's word to you. Verse 14 of that chapter says, the word, the explanation, became flesh and lived among us. The explanation lived on the planet. The explanation about all these things, your purpose on the planet, and the reason things are as they are. The explanation is not simply philosophical argument. It's much deeper. It's the personal presence of a God who loves us. Revealed in Jesus of Nazareth. And the living word and the written word are inseparable. You need to have them both in your mind, in your heart. When you visit Genesis, Jesus goes with you because he is the explanation. Sometimes you struggle with explanations of Scripture. You say, well, where do I start understanding all this? Well, start with Jesus. He's God's great hermeneutic. He's the explanation. So you carry Jesus to the Psalms and to Isaiah. And you see the world and the scriptures through the living word, powerful in your life. Do not think about the word of God as magical formulas that God gives you, and if you utter them in a, in a certain place, they cast a spell or something. Do not think about them like that. Think about the Word of God as His powerful, living presence in your life, as the declarations through which He blesses you, corrects you, instructs you, grows you. Your Word. I have hidden. I have hidden your word. I was taking a picture of my kitchen this week. 
and I hid the trash can. I moved it around the counter so it's not in the picture. I also took a stack of things on the table and I put them over here by the toaster oven. So they're not in the table, in the picture either. I, I hid them so that I could take the picture, okay? And when you hide something, you may be removing it from the picture. Now that's not the idea here. The idea here is the treasure which you keep in the center of your life. You hide it down deep inside of you. God wants his word to be so deeply embedded in you that it's, your, it's part of your mental DNA. Now, Mary experienced God's presence in a powerful way in her life. And the angel spoke to her, told her these wonderful things. And Luke, when he is talking about Mary, says of her after the account of the birth of Jesus, but Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I want you to think about that as what God wants you to do with his word to you. You internalize it. That's the first thing. Internalize the word. Don't treat it like it's something out here. Treat it like it's something that needs to come in here. Let it in through your eyes. Let it in through your ears. Read the word of God. That's pretty simple. It's not always easy to do, is it? Some of you have given up on reading God's word. Now, the only word you get is on Sunday morning. Now, brothers and sisters, that's not good. You need to be in the book yourself, and you know it. You're under conviction about it. Take a new tack on reading God's Word. What worked for you when you were single may not now that you're married. What worked for you before you had children probably doesn't now that there are kids in the house. In every different era of life, we need to find the way that we can integrate God's Word and the reading of His Word into every day, just as a discipline. So, I will not neglect your word. That's the last phrase of this section. I will not neglect your word. The psalmist says, I will not neglect your word. And I want you to say it in your heart and maybe on your lips. I will not neglect your word. God, I will not neglect your word. I will read it. I will hear it. Hearing is important. You need to hear God's word. It's made to be read out loud. It's powerful when you release it in the sound waves. Read and hear, study and repeat. The psalmist says, I'm going to repeat your word. I'm going to be talking about it. I'm going to go over it. Memorize the word. It's hard for you to memorize, I know. And you're thinking to yourself, why should I memorize the word when I can get it on Google in Five seconds. You know, all I got to do is Google whatever. 
and it'll pop up there. Because we're not talking about your ability just to research and access information. We're talking now about you putting this into the DNA of your mind and heart. And the way you're going to get it there is for you to memorize God's Word. And I hope you're still memorizing the Word. I hope you are. Work on learning a verse along with your kids. My brother worked on it every breakfast throughout the raising of his children. And he had a stack of 200 cards at the end of his uh, tenure as, as a dad with kids in the house. And when he sat down at the breakfast table with his three children, he could call out Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. That was one card. And they could quote the whole passage by heart, word for word. And he worked all the way through those 200 cards and they knew every word of every passage on those 200 cards. Now, we're neglecting memorizing the word. I know that. That's already happening in the body. We need to correct that as well. We need to read the word every day and we need to make an effort to memorize the word. And maybe it's just one verse a week that we work on, but we hide it in our hearts so it can be part of the way that we think. I'm so glad that dad made us memorize those verses. We did the same thing with our children. I remember our three-year-old Rachel. We said, okay, now let's go over this verse again. And she says, no, too much words, too much words. And we're all thinking that. It's too much words. But it's how you get your word, the word of God internalized. Internalize the word. Centralize the word. This psalmist is going to speak the word and he's going to visualize the word. Vocalize and visualize the word of God. If you're having a trouble, a trouble getting a handle on the word of God, visualize it as you read it. Try to picture it in your mind as you read the word of God. You want to get it inside of you. Say, this is transformational now. This is going to change your life. This will clean you up. This will give you focus. This will help you drop off those habits that you've been worried about you can't get rid of, that language that you want to slough out of your life, but it keeps showing back up. Thy word, that's what cleanses us. Your word I have hidden in my heart. And that's where it is. It's got to go in here. It's got to go in the middle of you. It's one thing to talk about your word, God. That's the, that's the word of somebody else. But the scripture says your word I have hidden where? In my heart. There's a lot of intentionality about that. Say, I don't know that everybody in the room is going to do this, okay? Are you going to do it? Are you going to keep hiding God's word in your heart? You can't hide it in my heart, all right? Your word I have hidden in my heart. It's personal. It's intimate. It's at the core of my being. It's the heart. It's who I really am. Not everybody sees who I really am, but God does. And the word I hide is in the real me. It's the true me. It's the center of me. It's in my thought life. Your word I have hidden in my heart means, God, I have planted it down deep inside of me. A good man brings 
good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And I will tell you now, protect your heart. You're not doing it enough. You're letting stuff get to your heart that poisons you. Guard your heart. Guard your heart with all diligence. Do it every day in every way. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it are flowing the issues of your life. Your word I have hidden in my heart because I'm guarding the center of me. And I want to be the person God's called me to be. And so, Lord, I'm putting your word here. And that last phrase, that I might not sin against you. The last two words are important. God wants to cultivate a relationship with you. It's the reason you're breathing and your heart is beating. God brought you into the world and he put you on the planet because he wants to love you and you to love him. He made you for a love relationship with him. Augustine said it. You know, we have this God-shaped vacuum in our hearts and we are restless until we find our rest in him. And that's where your rest is. That's where your completion is. That's where your satisfaction is. And if you will put your desires there and your longing there, God will change your life. If your desire and longing can go with how God made you and why he made you, then your word, Lord, I'm going to live in it. I will not neglect it. I'm going to bring it into the core of my being and hide it in my heart and treasure it up so I will not sin against you because if I don't do this if I don't live in your word and put it in my heart I'm going to sin against you I'm going to be against you instead of for you nobody understood better the true nature of sin than David who was a sinner King David whom we sang about earlier who helped collect all the temple materials but didn't get to build it because of his own violence in his life but David knew against thee, after he'd committed murder and adultery, he said in Psalm 51, against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this iniquity in thy sight. And the true sinfulness of our sin is not what it does to ourselves or other people, but how it alienates us from God, how it makes us against God instead of for God how it puts us in enmity and conflict with God. Everything gets out of sync in our life when we let the sin come in. Against thee have I sinned. We would hesitate. There would be a protective barrier in our life if we remembered that our sin was against God. Are you going to go against God in this thing? You know, it wouldn't be unusual in a crowd of people when the preacher starts talking about sin for specific things to start pinging up in the mind of the worshiper. 
It wouldn't be unusual at all for suddenly there'd be something in your mind that's looming so large when we talk about sin, and there it is. The Holy Spirit was sent. He, take up, he takes up residence in your life to convict you about sin. He does that by bringing it up in the holy moment, in the moment of worship. God brings up this thing in you. He stirs it up in you, and all of a sudden, here it is. You can put a name on it. The thing that displeases God, that's the, the thing that is against God in your life. And maybe you have sought to overcome it, and you've sought victory over it, and you've prayed about it. You've come to God a hundred times confessing your sin. There is a way to cleanse your life. It is through God's Word. The Word needs to be precious to you, the Word of God. Jesus is precious to you. He's precious because He is your Savior. God sent this Word to heal you, and it needs to be precious to you. And if it is precious, then He will bring it into your life, and you will open your heart up to it. And God will cleanse your way with this to get your life lined up with God is to let the word flow in you. You say, well, what's so special about this book? This is the record of God's revelation to the prophets of old, to the apostles, Speaking to them and through them. The scripture says, Paul the Apostle says, carried along by the Holy Spirit as God breathed his word through them. God has been active not just in our time with our generation, but through the generations. And this record is the work he has done among his called people, the children of Abraham culminating in that great son of David, our Messiah, Jesus, the Savior. The record of him and his work in the world. It is anointed of God and designed for your reading to bless you, grow you, and cleanse your way. I don't want to sin. I don't want to go against God. Lord, what's the solution to my tendency to always be going my own way, integrating God's word into my life? I know I'm talking to some people who have been saved a long time. The word never gets old. In the work it does. Hey, every time you open a book, it startles you. Doesn't it? We've got folks here who teach the word of God every day. And I know they encounter the same thing. You start reading the word, it startles you, it surprises you. I was preaching at Taylor Playground this week on Zacchaeus. And when I got to that part where Jesus looks up in that tree and says, Zacchaeus, you come down, I had another surge of this surprise and amazement at Jesus of Nazareth. Nobody ever spoke like him. Nobody ever lived like him. 
Nobody ever said these things. He is God's explanation in the world. He loved Zacchaeus, whom everybody else despised. And at the moment when he could have called him down and pointed out his sin, instead he said, I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. And it broke Zacchaeus' will, and it changed his life. And he repented in the middle of all those folks and invited Jesus into his home. There's nobody more surprising and amazing than Jesus. The living word of God. God's explanation. When you look at Jesus, you look at the fullest revelation. The brightness and brilliance of God's image. Here disclosed, revealed in a man. The man Jesus of Nazareth. Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Let's bow together. If the Holy Spirit has brought up something in your life as we've looked at this verse and you know your sin that the Lord is working on and the one that stands between you and him and stands against him. Would you repent? Say, Lord, I'm sorry for that sin. Maybe it's again. I want it out of my life. Help me to feel about that sin like you feel about it. And don't let it keep you and me apart. Don't let this thing turn me against you. Lord, purge it from me. Father in heaven, we read this text and we know it was written by a man like us who struggled with sin, attitudes, habits, actions, words that displease you. And God, it gives us hope as we read it that there is a way for us to be clean. And I pray for husbands and wives who need a cleansing in their life, that you would do it through your word. Even today, that you would bring your Holy Spirit to their life. God, we need cleansed. Father, I pray for that person who is closest to the edge, for whom disaster is just ahead because they have harbored a sin in their life that they know is rebellion against you. I pray this morning you would break the hold of that sin in their life. Through your Holy Spirit, break the grip of that sin so that they can have life. Lord, I pray for those that do not know you this morning, that have never trusted you as Savior, that today would be the day when they turn from their sin to the God who made them, through Jesus Christ the Lord. Do your work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.